a reading from the letter to the Ephesians. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with his commandments and ordinances so that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the Gospel according to John. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they will do all these things to you on my account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not have sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. It was to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered us under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the tent. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Please be seated. Good evening and welcome to Trinity Cathedral. Whether you're in person or online, we welcome you. We're so glad you can be with us. A reminder that here at the cathedral, we are concluding this coming Sunday our annual stewardship campaign. So I invite you to make a pledge if you're able. I thank all of you for whatever gift and whatever way that you're able to continue to support not only Evensong, but the ministries of, the, of the, the cathedral itself. I thank you for all that you do. This evening we welcome the Reverend Peter Foss, who is the rector of Christ Church, Shaker Heights. Thank you for your welcome and for you and Todd inviting me this evening to be the homilist at Evensong. It's always a joy to be here with you and have glorious music and to be in this magnificent cathedral. So thank you. We celebrate the feast of Saints Simon and Jude this evening. To say that these two apostles are obscure would be to engage in serious understatement. Scripture tells us next to nothing about them, and the mythology that has accrued to them adds precious little more. And then there is the fact that they share a feast day. 
which led me to believe maybe it was the scarcity of information on them that deemed them unworthy of each getting their own day. I thought, well, they may have been one of the 12 apostles, but definitely they were in the lower tier status. Until I realized that Peter and Paul share a feast day as well. The two monumental saints of the church also share a feast day, which is certainly interesting as it tells me that in the church's eye, you either share a feast day with your other most obscure apostle, or you share a feast day with the apostle whose stature rivals your own. If you think about it, there's some really good theology that undergirds that decision. When it comes to Simon and Jude, Luke's gospel tells us this. Jesus called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter and his brother Andrew, and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, biblical scholars believe that this Judas, son of James, is in fact the Jude we celebrate tonight. His name morphed from Judas to Jude after the crucifixion when biblical writers wanted to disassociate him with that other Judas. And frankly, if my name was the same as the man who betrayed Jesus, I'd want somebody to change my name too. To confuse things a bit more, some believe that Jude is also the Thaddeus of the Gospels, and so he is sometimes referred to as Jude Thaddeus, which actually has a nice ring to it. In John's gospel, we learn Judas, parentheses, not Iscariot, said to Jesus, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? This question by Jude occurs during the final discourse the night before Jesus is crucified. Other than being included then on lists of the names of the apostles, this is pretty much what we have from Scripture on Simon and Jude. Some traditions attribute the very, very short letter of Jude in the Christian Testament to our Jude, but scholars believe that's highly unlikely. So what we know from Scripture is that Simon is a zealot and that Jude asked Jesus a question on the final night of his life. Like I said, it's pretty paltry information. Simon, though, being a zealot, could have meant one of three things. He could have belonged to the Jewish sect of zealots, who were a sect that looked to overthrow the Roman Empire in Palestine, or that he was zealous for the Jewish law, or that he was jealous for the word of Jesus. I lean toward the latter if for no other reason than Jesus' word was so charismatic and so filled with hope during seemingly hopeless times that the apostles left everything behind, family, work, everything, so to follow him. 
You got to be a zealot to do that. Jude is considered to be the patron saint of hopeless causes, an attribute that accrued to him post-death. It's one of the reasons why we have St. Jude hospitals. Both Simon and Jude are reputed to have gone to Persia and linked up together to proclaim the good news after the resurrection. Simon is said to have been martyred in Persia by being cut in half with a saw, and Jude was reputedly martyred in Beirut with an axe. So between the scripture and the mythology, that's all we have. That's all we've got. Yet despite a dearth of information, the witness of Simon's zeal and Jude's passion for seemingly hopeless causes offers us a very valuable gift today. The rising tide of unscrupulous, self-serving, and nefarious behavior by many in government and business and in institutional religion for years now has brought us as a society to a place of seeming hopelessness. Many believe that our democracy is becoming a hopeless endeavor when there are such powerful forces at work trying to undermine it. Attempts to reform the corporate world, making it more responsible for protecting the environment and for paying its fair share of taxes always seem to fall short of the goal. Institutional businesses' powerful grip on our government through lobbyists and super PACs and the insatiable greed of elected officials seems so enormous that we'll never change this unjust system. And the growing belief that the church is rife with hypocrisy, proclaiming the good news of Jesus, but seldom living it, makes people at best suspicious and at worst hostile. The church is seen as a hopeless endeavor whose main focus is its own interests and not the people that it has been called to serve. And COVID has certainly exacerbated this sense of hopelessness, although it was well underway before the pandemic. But what the virus has done is it has turned us inward, made us more isolated, focused on our own needs, unwilling to expend the time and the energy on things that seem so hopeless to us. This is a dangerous situation for our democracy and for the Christian faith, which are both built on the understanding of community and mutual care and responsibility to build up the common good. In the midst of this hopelessness, we need to claim Simon's zeal for the word of Jesus. And like Jude, we must persevere in proclaiming the message even in the face of seemingly hopeless circumstances. In the reading from John's Gospel this evening, Jesus tells the disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. 
and you also are to testify. We followers of Jesus have a truth to tell. The truth that all people are worthy of dignity and respect for they are made in the image of the loving God. The truth that this dignity is given among other ways by being free from want and that we bear a mutual responsibility for one another to provide shelter and adequate food and education and health care for all and that we love one another as we have been loved by Jesus. This is our truth. If we, like Simon and Jude, proclaim that truth with conviction and with zeal, then with God's help, there will never be any such thing as a hopeless cause. Amen.
Together, let us say prayer three on page three. Lord, it is night. The night is for stillness. Let us be still in the presence of God. It is night after a long day. What has been done has been done. What has not been done has not been done. Let it be. The night is dark. Let our fears of the darkness of the world and of our own lives rest in you. The night is quiet. Let the quietness of your peace enfold us, all dear to us and all who have no peace. The night heralds the dawn. Let us look expectantly to a new day, new joys, new possibilities. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always.